What happens after we've done what God has compelled us to do? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me, as pretty much always, is Brian Dombozik, our managing editor. That was an emphatic done in the lead-in. You know, I was feeling very Shatnerian, <laughs> and sometimes my emphasis. What are we going to talk about? That's right. Well, I will tell you what. We are going to talk about today. We are going to talk. We are actually concluding our look at the book of Nehemiah today as we come toward the end of our survey of the Old Testament. Brian, I'm excited. We've got one more week. Yeah, we're going to do Malachi after this. That's right. And then we are going to jump in to the New Testament. Are we going to take a 400-day break, a 400 days of silence? I thought about taking a (laughs) 400-year silence, but you know what? Um... Well, maybe our listeners would be happy about that. But hey, they can um, stop. They can stop downloading no, anytime. No, they cannot stop downloading this. They, oh, they I didn't should, know that. Yeah. They, well, we don't want them to. We well, I know we don't want them to. <laughs> but I All didn't right. know you have it set up technically where they're going to keep getting these podcast episodes just oh, downloaded absolutely. automatically. Absolutely. You know that's what uh, that's what we do in this business. So <laughs> spamming podcasts on them. Hey now. Um, all right. So Brian. Um, Let's just take care of one thing right out, of, right out of the gate here. Normally, we ask the question, where does this fall in the Bible's narrative? But we're literally picking up yeah. right after what we talked about last week. So it's same time, same place. The temple is rebuilt. The people the have just put have their hammers rebuilt. down. That's basically it. <laughs> they put their they, hammers they, down. They put the That's hammer, what brings us to this one. They put the hammer down. They dropped the hammer, as it were. As it were. And they had a snack. And now we are about to see them engage (laughs) in the longest church service in the world. Oh, my goodness, yes. It's It's, great. It's great. It's great. And I'm not making fun of long services. So we would expect at this point for them to, you know, they completed this major project quickly. Mm -hmm. Clearly, God's been in the middle of it, which is why it prompts worship. We would expect them to be like, hey, let's have this big celebration. Let's Mm -hmm. have a feast. Let's go sleep. Right. <laughs> you know? But instead, it's, hey, let's let's hear Ezra read the law yeah. for nine hours. For a long time. Nine hours, y'all. That's a lot. And you thought our podcast episodes were long. Oh, man. They could be long. Anyway, um, so... What are some questions we should be asking about as we look at as we look at broadly Nehemiah yeah. eight through thirteen? Yeah, I, I think the first one is what we just intimated. What prompted the people to stand and listen? That's the other thing. They were standing and listening to Ezra read from the law for so long, and and I think this is also one of uh, our our pastors, our preaching friends' favorite stories to bring to bear. Absolutely. This is their life passage right here. All right. You complain that I'm preaching for 40 minutes. Look at this. Um, (laughs) But what is undergirding this, I believe, is this deep hunger for the word of God. You think about it. We're still dealing with a people who have returned from exile. They, Mm -hmm. They were out of of the land. They were away from the temple. Um, Worship proper had stopped. Uh, Many probably 
we're not even familiar with God and his ways. Right. In exile, they are amongst pagan gods and so forth. And so I think there's this deep hunger um, that was deep within them. There were people who were parched, and they're drinking from the life-giving waters of God's word, mm-hmm. and they couldn't get enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another question that we should be asking is, is why did the Levites need to explain what Ezra read? And that kind of goes back to what you were saying. They, they were uh, likely largely unfamiliar mm-hmm. with this. Um, one of the things that we should understand as well is, is Ezra was likely reading in Hebrew, um, and they may not have been able to speak Hebrew. Yeah. Um, so we it could have been a literal translation. As, yeah, you know. exactly. So they could have literally, yeah, they could have literally been saying, so this is what he just said. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, and that could be the case. There's also the, there's also the perspective of they could be saying, they could be taking the time to tease out. Okay. Think, let's think about this yeah. in terms of application. Ezra is reading the text and they're saying, and so this is how we live in light of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's. It's almost like a preaching team that thing that's exactly. kind of happening here, um, and so that's kind of that's kind of cool to see. That's kind of cool yeah. to see. I think another question that again these kind of happen in rapid order as you're reading through, especially this chapter here in eight. Um, the question is why did the people respond the way they did? If you read it, they they respond by by weeping, mm-hmm. this mourning, um, and the, and the question is what what prompted that? Were they wrong because? They're told to stop. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say, no, they were not wrong. They were just incomplete. What was happening, I think it was proper that as they're hearing the law being read, they recognize we have not obeyed the law. We have, we have not followed God's instructions. We have mm-hmm. not worshiped properly, you know, the, the sacrifice, everything. They're like, no, we haven't done this. And I think there's this contrition within them that mm-hmm. is vital. It's proper. But what they stop short of doing, and this is what I think the next part leads them to, was saying, wait a minute, but you also have to experience God's mercy, grace, and restoration. Mm-hmm. That the reason why the law has been given is so that we can know what God will do to make us right with him again, ultimately pointing to Christ, of course. Yeah. But that, I think, is why they were told, no, stop, don't stop here. We have to move through this to get to that grace and mercy. Right. Absolutely. Um, another one that uh, really comes toward the end of the book, um, there's two questions that the, that the last chapter kind of leaves us with. Uh, the first is, um, was Nehemiah wrong to respond with uh, what seems to be anger when he sees the, the people who he's left and he's left in trusted hands on good terms? They've made this commitment and vow to follow the ways of God. Um, And then he gets news where everything is falling apart. It's a giant dumpster fire. Uh, (laughs) Tobiah and Sanballat, who were two of the dudes who were trying to stop them from building the wall, are living in the temple. What the heck is going on here? And so he's losing. He's like pretty much going to lose his mind because Uh, and he's right to. You just have to (laughs) wonder what was that conversation like when those two guys show up at the temple and say, hey, it's a nice temple you just built here. Yeah. Hey, hey, you got some nice room. Can I uh, can I move in here? You know, you know, my house is under construction, too. (laughs) I just need a place to chill. I just look, guys, I just need a place to chill for a few days. 
maybe a few years. It's cool, right? It's cool. So, um, sure, come on in. <laughs> uh, hospitality, right? We're supposed to be all about hospitality. Exactly. Um, not with the Opening person our who's house trying, is not God's house. Yeah, not trying to destroy the worship of God. You don't welcome in no. wolves. Anyway. Um, and that's a word of advice for our churches and for our small groups and every area of our lives. You don't invite wolves in uh, because they will eat you. <laughs> so um, also, if you live in the woods, they will eat you. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally um, in that case. But we have to remember his response was right and natural. Um, he, we have to remember the thing, one of the key things to remember about Nehemiah is he's a man of deep conviction. We see this at the yeah. opening of this book. He is, he hears of the plight of his people and he's moved, um, to like, he's just so convicted yeah. about that. And here we see this again. And part of it is, is that he's remembering what happened the last time the people, fell away from God. They ended up in exile. It wasn't pretty. And this is basically them doing that all over again. And so he knew the consequences of disobedience, and he didn't want them to experience this again. He's being a good leader. He's being a good friend to them as well. Um, And that's that's a key thing for us to remember. The second thing that we need to need to see out of this last chapter, though, is um, and this really this question that we've got to ask is, um, what should we make of his statement? Remember me for this, my God, and don't erase the deeds of faithful love I have done for the house of my God and for its services. When I was a new, so I read that for the when I read that for the first time as a new Christian, it sounded kind of braggy. And I remember thinking that in a uh, in a small group setting where um, I was actually, by the way, again, life lesson. If you're a new Christian, don't lead a small group. Um, I was leading the small group. So this is the train wreck. Here that, we see uh, Nehemiah humble bragging. <laughs> yeah, it kind of comes across that way. It's like, it's like, but is that what's going on? It's like, no, he's not. Um, this throughout the book, what we see, one of the things that we do see is, is we see him using this remembrance language. So he says to God, remember your word. He says, remember me in another place. And he says, remember these two jokers, um, (laughs) (laughs) basically as punishment also happens to be the two jokers who are in the temple, um, in Nehemiah six. So the language that we see here, um, I mean, this is a look at his inner world. It is, um, it's, it's kind of a glimpse at his prayer diary, yeah. um, for, for lack of a better term. Um, it's, it's the language of the Psalms. I mean, there's, there's kind of an imprecatory feel toward this, that this is like God do something, act. But, but, and wouldn't you also say, Aaron, that, you know, the Bible speaks of, of rewards quite a bit for faithfulness. And, and wouldn't you say that to a, a point we should be desiring those. That's why God puts yeah. them before us yeah. in a proper way. But because I've heard, often heard people say, well, you know, I'm just going to make it into heaven by the skin of my teeth. And it's like, no, no, and, you're and, not. And I'm just, you know, and it's supposed to be humble. No, you know, I'm just going to be glad to be there. And it's like, no, no, no. But God, he mentions these rewards that that await the faithfulness of his people and we should desire them. Yes, we should. Because in 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 those rewards and that thing, we are bringing glory to God, which 
is the cause of those rewards. And, mm-hmm. and also from what we read in Revelation, it seems like we will quickly place those rewards back at the feet of Christ. But it seems to me <laughs> yeah. that what Nehemiah is doing here is, is reasonable and fair. Yeah. Of, you know, saying, hey, I've been faithful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's like, don't forget my faithfulness. Yeah. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Now, is, when he turns around and, and tells everybody else, hey, look, do you, you see how faithful I am? I'm really faithful. Well, that would I, be different. That's where he crosses right. the line. But yeah. we don't see him doing but, that. Yeah, that's not what right. he's doing. So um, most important question we can ask, Brian, how does this point us to Jesus? Well, I think the first way, it goes back to the people hungering for the word of God. And, yeah. And, and we see that Jesus is the word, and we see that he is the bread of life. It's what he, he calls himself. Um, and so he is the one who satisfies us completely. Here we have a people who were hungry for that, and, and we know ultimately that hunger will be satisfied in Christ. Yeah. Um, the second way, I think, is, and we see this not only later with that public reading that we talked about earlier, but also later what you're talking about where the people falter. We need this, this restoration. We need forgiveness. And it reminds us once again that this forgiveness will come in no other means. We, we can't white knuckle our way. We can't say, all right, we will do this. We will be good. We will be obedient and white knuckle our way to being good with God. We're going to fail every time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and that should prompt contrition, repentance, and then in Christ, forgiveness and restoration, reconciliation. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, last question that we have, have to, to walk through together is, um, is an important one, trying to make this practical for ourselves. As disciple makers, what kind, of, um, what kind of guidance, what kind of help can we offer someone who is discipling another person? Yeah, let me, let me riff off what, what we were just talking about for the first one. I would say that we need this helps us consider do we accept god's grace to us through christ and when i say accept here i don't mean like a lot of people use that term you know accepting jesus um i mean pos- not positionally but experientially mm-hmm. do we embrace god's grace or resist it so my oldest son and i were we're going out for milkshakes and french fries the other day and talking about i mean we're discipleship yeah. things yeah and, and I asked him, basically, I said, hey, when it comes to grace, there, there are two ditches we can fall in. The first one is we, we resist it. We think, no, I don't deserve it, which is ironic because nobody does. Yeah. But it's, it, so there's this tendency that some people have to recoil against God's grace because they, it's hard for them to embrace it. Yes. The other ditch is abusing it. Yes. Well, if God has forgiven me, if he gives me grace upon grace, I'm going to do whatever I want. Right. And both of those are problematic. Um, and, and the point I was asking, hey, which one do you kind of think you kind of lean toward? Which which is the danger for you? Yeah. Rather than walking in that middle on that path, that firm path of recognizing God's grace and goodness and letting it motivate us to live a life of obedience out of gratitude. So this, I think, this this part of Nehemiah really can help us consider this, talk through this with those who are discipling, whether one-on-one or, or a group, and just say, hey, what, where, how, how do we respond to God's grace when, when, when he gives it to us? Yeah. All right, Brian, that is a good place for us to wrap this up. All right. So, uh, listeners, thanks for uh, listen, tuning into this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show and for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel 
please visit gospelproject.com.